Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review. Hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsors, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle, so you'll have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 380, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. So much to get into because we were dazzled and entertained by your Dallas Stars who are heading to the Western Conference Finals once again. We're going to dive into that. Got a little couple of items. One that is I find quite interesting about the Dallas Cowboys that we'll throw out. And some things, I saw a movie, and I will reveal what it is when we take our trip around the block, that everybody needs to watch. It was phenomenal. You need to watch it. I think you're going to enjoy it. So we'll get into that. We will get into that. But none of this happens without our great sponsors, which is why we tell them about you pretty much every podcast. And that includes and starts with Robert Greening and Greening Law. I was hurt in a car accident. If that's happened to you, if you've experienced malpractice, if you were injured on the businesses of uh, the premises of a business, if you had injury to your person, I am telling you, when you start having those medical bills piling up and it is an injury and it wasn't your fault and you got to deal with insurance companies, you need to call Robert Greening, see if you've got a case because they're, they're magical, man. The, the things that they know what to do, their expertise is something that I cannot recommend highly enough. Well, I think Matt hit the nail on the head right there when he said it's their expertise. I mean, when you've been injured and you're not at home, you're out and about and it's not your fault and you find yourself injured, then you should be compensated for that because it wasn't your fault. Well, the green team and greening law, they're experts at it. Matt will tell you, these things can take a long time time they can be tedious they can really be intimidating if you're going up against somebody else's insurance company greening law takes away all that anxiety why because they kind of hold your hand through the process man they tell you what to do what to expect how to how to approach these things and it gives you that peace of mind so as matt will tell you you can focus on just getting better so if you've been involved in something give them a call tell them your situation and hope like heck they bring you on as a client 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. Easy enough. Again, the consultation's free. So call them now. It's Robert Greening Offices, Dallas, Texas. And Dallas, Texas is where the thrilling, the nerve, the sphincter tightening game seven <laughs> between the Kraken and the Stars took place on Monday night 
at the American Airlines Center. And I got to tell you, man, it, it was... It's really interesting because it seemed to me for the duration of the game and very early on that the Kraken just didn't have much left. And it, it, I thought Dallas was by far the better team. And if they didn't have Grubauer between the pipes in game seven, I mean, Dallas could have won that game eight to one. They had multiple opportunities. Grubauer made a couple of unbelievable saves. There's a couple of times where Dallas just missed empty nets I mean Haskinen hit the crossbar on a shot earlier in the game in the first period and I'm sitting there watching that that first period Dallas had a power play in the first period in which they had the puck in the offensive zone for a minute and 59 seconds had multiple shots and somehow didn't score and I'm sitting there going they are dominating this game dominating this game and it's 0-0 because Seattle had a goalie again that made some just absolutely insane saves in that first period. And man, I mean, you've watched hockey. I've watched a ridiculous amount of hockey. In a game like that, if one team is that much better and it's 0-0 going into the second period, all of a sudden Seattle's sitting here going, okay, wow, we just got our ass kicked and it's tied. We're a deflection <laughs> yeah. away. We're uh, off a skate away from leading this thing and we probably don't even deserve to be in the game. Dude, I was thinking going into the third period, like, and I didn't tweet this out because I just didn't want to deal with the drama. I was like, man, this is one of those funky pucks off of skate losses, yeah. one nothing. <laughs> because it's, it seems like when you dominate like that and you don't get rewarded, then the other team comes down, something fluky happens, they take the lead, and then you get deflated because you're like, damn, we've been killing them this whole time. And uh, we don't have anything to do for it. Then they come up with one lucky move and it's, you know, it's one nothing. You know, kind of like in football where you're dominating the game. Yeah. But it's only six nothing. They come down and hit a big play at seven six and you're down and you're just like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, man, it did. It, it felt that way. I mean, it, it 100% felt that way. And then finally, you get into the second period. I mean, you're halfway through this thing and there's no goal. And I'm sitting there going, man, like the longer this goes, the more you start feeling exactly like what you just described, where this is like if they can just get a goal, because it, it really felt like one nothing might just do it. Like whoever scored first is winning this thing. Right, right. And that's when somehow the Kraken and, and it took a the puck kind of took a weird bounce and Rupe Hintz just comes flying through the neutral zone pickpockets Jamie Alexiak, the, the former Dallas star, and just roofs it over Grubauer's shoulder. And, I mean, I was going nuts at the house, man. And, and hence, I'm going to tell you right now, if, if the stars win the cup, you're, you're probably looking at your Conn Smythe winner at least halfway through. Like, if they gave a halfway through the playoffs MVP award, hence would be the stars winner of this. His ninth goal of the postseason on just a gorgeous, I mean, a laser beam of a shot. No goalie on the planet would have stopped that. I mean, he put that like two inches up underneath the crossbar where you just can't stop that. It was a gorgeous play. Dude, it was, uh, it was sensational. It was, a, it was a play that stars make <laughs> at winning time. You know I mean? That's what they do. Uh, because just to pickpocket the puck was a terrific play. And then to come in from the right side and hit that sniper shot over the over the other opposite shoulder and right up under the crossbar. That's phenomenal, man. It's uh, As I like to say, you couldn't even do that on a video game. It's It was that, I mean, think about the skill it took to hit that shot, bro. It was incredible, man. <laughs> it was just absolutely incredible. But but again, so you're 1-0 going to the third period. And then, of course, 
and they have to do this. I know they have to do this. I mean, I had a couple people texting me that live around here that I don't think have watched hockey in their lifetime that were watching this last night. And, you know, this whole thing, they got to show stars are 7-0 and when leading after their second period in the playoffs. And the, and the Kraken are 0-4. I'm like, God, you know, great, great. You're jinxing them because one of those has to snap, right? And the whole thing about how Peter DeBoer, the Stars head coach, is 6-0 and in game sevens. And I'm like, stop showing this. Like, just stop showing it. <laughs> and, man, the nerves as this third period just keeps going and it keeps going and you get halfway through the third period, and it's one nothing. And still, again, because when it's one nothing, when Seattle starts to get desperate, they just start throwing pucks at the net. When you throw pucks at the net, random deflections, it hits off a shoulder, it hits off a skate. It doesn't even have to be a shot. And that's how you tie things. And I'm like, please get a second goal. And then finally, <laughs> and I still, I, I went back and watched this a couple of times, and there's just not an angle to see what the hell happened. Wyatt Johnson is standing on the opposite blue line. He's on sides. The stars are just trying to clear the zone. It looks like it's going to be an icing. But because Wyatt Johnson is there, as soon as the puck like passes the blue line in the air, Johnson like skates under it, picks it up before it crosses the opposing red line. And I mean, you talk about an unbelievable shot. This dude is virtually parallel to the goalie picks it up on his backhand and just gently lifts it up over the shoulder of Grubauer. It's 2 nothing, and at that point, you've kind of figured the game is over. Dude, okay, I, I feel much better. I really do because I, th- I ran that thing back because I'm watching on YouTube TV. I ran that thing back at least five times trying to figure out how the hell is he down there standing alone by himself? And now that you don't know either, I feel much better. Um, and uh, clearly it was some kind of weird camera angle or they didn't get the they didn't have the camera angle to show you how yeah. he, how he ended up down there. but the puck actually bounced off the back off the off the boards behind the net and carried back to him and then he went and scooped it but the backhand like when i was growing up watching the buffalo sabers in the early and mid 70s french connection back when they went to the cup in 1975 yeah i still remember all that stuff um seemed like the backhander was a was a part of everybody's arsenal and now it's like a rare shot today. So to see somebody take the backhand and put it uh, again right up under the crossbar, once again, just another phenomenal shot. Yeah, and, that, and that's what it was going to take, man. It was, it was going to take those types of shots on a night in which, I mean, you know, Tyler Sagan at one point, I think it was earlier in the second period. And I got to say, I mean, Tyler Sagan looked like he was 26 years old again last night. That might have been the best game we've seen him play in five seasons, honestly. And he didn't score. But he had multiple opportunities that Grubauer just made incredible saves on. That move where he took it and toe-dragged it around that defender and shot point-blank right at Grubauer, and Grubauer made the great save with his glove. I thought, like, I had jumped off the couch thinking, here, it score. And the goalie just made a great play, man. And, you know, it's this is a really good team. And and the only thing I can think about going back to the Johnson goal is that – they must have been in a line change, and for whatever reason, he thought they had he had, he maybe thought they had the puck, so he was breaking out for a rush or something, right? Because there's no other reason that he'd be standing that far behind the play. Just really odd that he was in that position. But hey, you know what? No, I, Those are the breaks. Yeah. No, it's uh, no, it was terrific, man. Uh, terrific play, and then you know the, the other thing about it, we keep talking about it, is you only have a few opportunities like that. 
and you have to deliver on them. And he delivered on them, and that's the beauty of it. Because you get those, and you know, you don't, you're not guaranteed that you put them in. So you get the opportunity, and then you you use one of the most creative shots we've seen in a while to put it in the net. Yeah, it's fantastic, you know. And 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 you look at, you know, Miro Haskinen, who skated over half the game. He was double shifting at the end of the game and skated over 32 minutes. Was that? We talked about him the other. I mean, he is just dominant. He had six hits. He had two block shots. The way that he quarterbacks this team from the defensive position is just incredible. It's the stars were so good in this game. The fact that it was two nothing in the Kraken when they pull their goalie three minutes left. And this is always the fear. This is why you need that extra goal because it's six on five. There's so many bodies on the ice when it's six on five. And it's it's it doesn't seem like it is. But having the two extra skaters out there at six on five instead of on a normal power play at five on four, it just clogs everything so much more. It's a lot harder for the goalie to see. You can't see the shooting lanes as clearly. There's a lot more of a chance of a deflection. And obviously, you have six dudes who can crash the net if need be. And when the Kraken won that faceoff with 17 seconds left, you know, I don't even think Ottinger realized that there was an extra guy right there and he couldn't react quick enough. And man, those final 17 seconds... <laughs> I'm just going, please clear the damn ice. And as soon as they did, you knew it was over. They're skating into the Western Conference Finals. Game one is in Las Vegas against the Golden Knights on Friday night at 7.30. And they're halfway there, man. They're eight wins away from a Stanley Cup. No, they got to – there's – and I don't say this lightly. There's no good reason they can't win it. You know what I mean? Obviously, Vegas – is a tough opponent. They'll be difficult to beat. But the Stars have a really good team, man. And so um, I personally, and I don't think I'm stepping out on some great big limb, I think this is for the Stanley Cup right here because I think the winner of this series wins the Cup. And so I expect a long series. Um, I expect some disappointment and some rough spots, just like you saw against the Kraken. But if all their guys show up, they have just as good a chance uh, or they have a better chance than just about anybody to to go ahead and and win a championship. And so this is a time to do it. They've got a great mix of skill. I mean, youth and age and experience. And they got a coach who's uh, done some things. They do. They got a shot, bro. That's all you can ask for, really. They got a realistic shot. And we talked about this during the season. I mean, this is a Stanley Cup contender. And it, and you know, you look at this. What's crazy about the Stars? They're halfway through the playoffs now. They're eight and five in their 13 playoff games, and two of their top three leading goal scorers from the season have barely done anything. Jason Robertson and Jamie Benn, and I think everybody is well aware of this, Jason Robertson led the team in the regular season with 46 goals. Well, Jamie Benn was third on the team with 33 goals. They have a combined four goals in the playoffs, seven stars. They each have two. Seven other stars have three or more. If Robertson or Ben start getting going, especially Robertson. Especially Robertson. Say that one more time. Especially Robertson. One more time, just in case he's sleeping <laughs> in this morning. <laughs> look, I, look, man, the dude has 10 assists, which is tied for the team lead. He had some great opportunities last night. They're just not going in for him. And it, at some point when, when that dam breaks, you're talking about a guy who is capable of winning a game or two that that very well may have a hat trick or a two-goal game or what have you. You do that, and then all of a sudden the floodgates open for this kid. 
the fact that you've gotten this far and Robertson has two goals in 13 games, if, if either one of them gets going, and again, Robertson, the main focus here of this conversation, right, right. the Dallas Stars can win the Stanley Cup. I mean, they, they flat out can win it because the fact that if you had told me, hey, man, two rounds complete, and Robertson has two goals. Where do you think the stars are? But like, damn, dude, what they lose in round creep. two in five games? <laughs> At the crib, chilling. I mean, you, you're talking. I mean, Wyatt Johnson, Johnston has four goals. Dodonov has four goals. Marchment has four goals. And Jason Robertson has two. And because of that, the stars showing a little bit of depth that people probably didn't realize that they had. This is. Man, this is on the right path. And like, you, I mean, the Golden Knights are a really, really good team. Let's, let's not make a mistake about it. There's a reason why the Stars are going there for game one. The Golden Knights won their division. They had the second best record in the, the league. Or wait, no, they led the league. They had the, the best record in the, in the Western Conference. 111 right. points. They finished with 51 wins. It, it, this is a really, really good team. A really, really good team. How would you describe them? They're a physical team. They're a fast team. They're a skilled team. They're a little bit everything, man. I mean, it, it, one thing is the Kraken match the stars so well because the Kraken are very, very fast. I don't think the, the Knights don't quite have the speed that the Kraken have. I mean, there's a reason why the Kraken led all teams in five-on-five five scoring. I mean, they, they can fly down the ice. But we talk about this. The Kraken have a lot of depth. They have 12 guys that scored 11 or more goals. You know, they got Jack Eichel, Riley Smith, the former star who still scored over 20 goals. They play very, very good defense. They play physical, and they've got a lot of depth, man. This is going to be, like you said, this I, I would be expecting this is a minimum six-game series. Yeah, I, I would say that because, and then I would say you would hope the Stars would win it in six because seven on the road is always a difficult, difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. You don't now, want don't seven they, on the road. I don't know how they get that done, but uh, let's say this. It starts with game one. Can you figure out a way to steal that one? That would be amazing. Now, it's not even steal it. It's just win it. Can you figure out a way to get it so that you can take control of the series and hopefully end it in six at the crib? I will say one thing that I was happy to see is the fact that, and in, in for whatever reason they decided to do this, they're starting on Friday. So instead of having the one-day or two-day turnaround, the Stars actually have three full days of rest, which is that's nice good. coming off of a seven-game series. I think that that's fantastic for them. Will it matter? I don't know. That's kind of the hope as you get through this thing. I mean, Dallas is a team that can score. They can do a lot of different things. We've seen it a lot. They are a better offensive team and a better defensive team than Vegas is. That's just the reality of it. But as we have seen, if you're going to play disciplined hockey and not put the Stars in the power play, and we've seen how deadly the Stars' power play can be at times, you know, Vegas is going to have to watch that. Don't commit a lot of penalties and don't give the Stars that man advantage because when they have it, they're so very good at it. I mean, they were mentioning this last night, and this is just reality. They, I think the Stars are either seventh or eighth in scoring this year. They were third in goals against. They do a lot of things really, really well, man. They are a very good hockey team. No, they shoot, man. The time is now. The opportunity is now. You just hope that they can take advantage of it. And I'm trying to think, if I recall correctly, the Stars won 
all three of their games against the Knights this year, but two of them ended in a shootout, which obviously you don't have shootouts in the playoffs. It just kind of is what it is. Yep, exactly. But we'll see, man. I, I'm just where the stars are is, is really, really fun. And I was thinking this last night when it was zero zero. I'm just sitting here going, okay, yeah, I know your captain's 33 years old, but it's obvious that he can do some things. He's a he's such a great leader. But you look at some of the youth they have. Delandria is 22 years old. If they decide they want to keep Domi around, he's 27. Foxa hasn't turned 30 yet. Thomas Harley is so young at just 21 and has shown some flashes of why they love him as a defenseman. Haskinen is still just 23. Hintz is 26. You look at a couple of the other guys that are going to be the future of what this thing is, like Lundqvist, who we haven't seen in the playoffs, but is going to be a part of what I think maybe the future is, is 22 years old. Ottinger in goal is just 24 years old. Robertson's 23 years old. Yeah, bro. I mean, they have a, and I just named how many, like seven or eight dudes. That's the future of where this thing is. The window is opening now for the Stars to be one of the best teams in hockey over the course of the next few years. And I don't know. Did you mention your boy Wyatt? Yeah, yeah, Wyatt Johnston. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. But yeah, dude, they are, uh, it's. Who's 19, by the way. No, he just turned 20. Yeah, that's right. He just turned 20. That's right. I forgot. Yesterday was his birthday. Or Right. <laughs> Two days ago. Yeah, Monday night was his birthday. But yeah, bro, it's uh, the time is now. The opportunity is here. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I mean, I try not to get ahead of myself. You know, Vegas has a lot of veterans. Th- these two teams, and obviously there's a lot different than the, when they met in the bubble. But this was the, th- this is a rematch of the conference finals in the bubble when they played each other when the Stars went to the Cup and got obliterated by Tampa. But it's this is, if you are just now getting in on the Dallas Stars, this is a great time because they are going to be good for what they are starting on now, I think is going to be very similar to what they were with that group of guys that was the core of what this franchise and this team was back in the late 90s moving into the early aughts because people forget, you know, that, that was such a good team that made the playoffs God, what was that, like like 10 years in a row, something like that, maybe even 12 years in a row, and right. they only got the one cup. But that was the, you know, the year before they won the cup, they lost in the conference finals to Detroit. Some people may remember that. The year after they won the cup, they went back to the cup finals, and then they just struggled to get back there. But they were always in the conversation, and they were in the playoffs every year that's the window for this team, man. I mean, th- th- this is not a fluke. This is a team that I think you can believe in and, and expect that over the next few years, they should be in the conference finals and in that conversation year in and year out. Oh, dude, ain't nothing fluky about this team. I mean, they, this is what you just ran off. They got a bunch of young guys who have star potential. They got older veterans who know how to play, who've either been stars, which means they can dial it up for a game or two here or there. And then you got a dude like Pavelski who's been drinking something from the fountain of youth and has had it, you know, turned back uh, Tuesday every week. So, dude, it's uh, it's exciting. It's going to be a long series, so, you know, don't panic if they lose a game or they're down 2-1 in the series or whatever. Um, just expect that that's what it's going to be. But it's a really good team. It's a team that responds. It's a team that's got some grit to them despite all their flash. And I'm looking forward to a terrific, intriguing seven-game series. I am too, man. I, I'm, I'm hoping six because game six will be in Dallas, and I am going to be in Dallas on Memorial Day weekend. 
Are you now? And I have a brother who said, if they get to game six, we're going, and you, that'll be your Christmas present. I was like, okay. Oh, this is the rich brother, so this is good. That it's the golfing it's brother. The golfing oh, brother, it's the actually. golfing brother. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's not that the golfing brother isn't rich, but the golfing brother also has great connects. He so, does. Hey. He does. Very much so. <laughs> As a matter of fact, he went to a game in the first round. I was like, man, those is your, are all- is your Is your brother from another brother from another mother coming as well? Yeah, we'll see. I don't know, man. I don't know how many tickets he'll be able to swing. Like, I don't know if my, uh, my actual other brother is going to be able to come. We don't care about him. <laughs> we're talking about your brother from another mother. That's all we're, that's all we're concerned about. Focus, man. Focus. Yeah. It's funny because he told me in the first round, he texted me this picture, and this was one of the early games in the first round against the Wild. I was like, man, those are great seats. He's like, yeah, Pavelski gave me some tickets. I, was like, I told you. <laughs> I told you it was all about the connects. Pavelski yeah, gave me some tickets. Pavelski wow. plays out there at Merido, so... I guess he was, uh, Mark had helped him with his golf or something. All I'm going to say is, despite what's going on in Florida, there's nothing wrong with a little DEI amongst friends. No, not at all. (laughs) Not at all. I mean, it's... It's fantastic. So we'll see, man. But I, I'm nah, man. That's I'm, all. That's all cool. I'm also excited because, and I mentioned this on the podcast the other day, but we will not have a podcast next Monday because I'm going to be traveling, and I'm headed to Austin this weekend. I will be in Austin for Game One on Friday night, and one of my very best friends, Tim, has lived in Austin for years. So I, I texted him. I was like, dude, where are we watching the game on Friday night? He's like, I don't know. I'm trying to find a place that'll put the sound on for us. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> I knew that was happening. So looking forward to that. But it's fun, man. These playoff runs with the Stars, there's just nothing like it. I mean, when one of your teams makes a playoff run, and we've gotten used to the fact that basically the Cowboys are never getting past the divisional round. <laughs> the Mavs, I mean, what are they ever going to do again? And the Stars, man, it's just so exciting. Dude, it is. And um, I think we talked about it the other day. Your Texas Rangers are building a little something. They are. And you know what? There's a quick exit. You could see the Rangers. I think they plotted and planned for this, and then they accelerated it. But you could see them being built like the Stars in a couple years, maybe even next year, a year or two where they have this young talent that's showing you things and on the verge of stardom. And then they got these veterans who are aging stars who still know how to play. And if you can, when you get that combination, you have the youth who can carry you, the vets who can teach them along the way about how to prepare and embrace the moment. And that's how you end up with some special runs. That's exactly I'm talking about guys like Duran and you know other guys you know young guys you see who have talent yeah and start to make that move you know evan carter's coming at some point whether it's this year or next year he's coming and you just be like okay they got they got the veteran mix they got the young guys now they got some pitching um okay i see how they're building it and how they're trying to make themselves be a team to deal with for the next three four five years yeah it's a good combination a very good combination. As we move forth here, before we get into this trip around the block, again, flow air, guys. It, it's it's hot. It's getting hot. It's going to continue to get hot. And the Texas heat is brutal in the summer. That's why you need flow air, heating and air. Family and veteran owned and operated over 16 years of experience. Again, for the month of May only, they're offering their yearly maintenance for $99 per system instead of the normal $169. You cannot beat this. 
Also, you need to call and ask because they're running a special on their AC surge protectors, but the yearly maintenance on your AC, man, when we're about to go into these hot summer months, do yourself a favor. It's $99 that may potentially save you thousands because they're servicing your air conditioning and getting it ready for the heavy load that you know it's going to go through coming up here probably right now, and it's not going to stop for the next four or five months. Dude, we all know it's coming, man. It's Dallas. The heat is coming, and it's coming with purpose, bro. But Flow Air, what they do for you is give you peace of mind. I'm telling you, man, We any of us who own homes, you know what the air conditioning world is like. You wake up one day, and that thing ain't working. You're like, oh, my God, what's it going to be? And uh, the, way, the way you prevent that from happening is give Flow Air a call. Let them help you out. Let them come check out your system. Let them give you some preventative maintenance. Remember I told you, it's like my mom always told me, man, before you go on a long road trip, Go get your hoses checked. Make sure everything's in order with your car so you don't have a disaster. It's the same thing with your air conditioning, man. Before the summer hits, and you know them string of 100-degree days is coming in Dallas. Get your air conditioner pre-looked at and make sure that your summer is cool, so to speak. Yeah, I'd get it done. It's Flow Air Heating and Air. You can look them up online. It's F-L-O-A-I-R-E-T-X.com for their website. You can call them, you can text them, 817-808-4115. And don't forget, they service all of Dallas-Fort Worth, and they provide 24-7 emergency services. If you need that, they will come in the middle of the night. It's Flow Air Heating and Air, 817-808-4115. Also, the podcast made possible by Bruce Biltong. We tell you about them all the time. Bruce Biltong. Biltong is like beef jerky, but it isn't. It's a traditional South African air-dried meat. It's better zero sugar, no artificial ingredients, 30 grams of protein and just two ounces of this stuff, man. It's savory. It's tender. You are looking for a healthy snack. You will be hard pressed to find a healthier snack that you'll enjoy more than bruised biltong. Dude, it's terrific, man. It's juicy. It's succulent. It's tender. Uh, Me and Matt both like to work out. So you're always looking for a good snack. It's a perfect snack, man. It's 30 grams of protein and a two-ounce pouch, only 240 calories. It is fantastic. You want to pack on muscle and have some good food while you're doing it? Uh, Bruce Biltong can help you do it. Get some. Slice Biltong, baby. I rock with it. It's easy, man. It's BruceBiltong.com, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, BruceBiltong.com. Use the promo code JAM15 at checkout, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's JAM15. So this quick trip around the block, man, and and I got to tell you guys, I I saw a movie the other day. You can watch it for free right now on Prime. It just came out in theaters not that long ago, but apparently Prime also has it as they're a part of it. It's called Air. It's the story of Nike's pursuit and how they landed Michael Jordan in the 80s. It's phenomenal. It is absolutely phenomenal. It's one of the best movies I've seen in a long-ass time. It's Ben Affleck, who plays the Nike founder, Phil Knight. It's Matt Damon, who plays Sonny Vaccaro, who was like the main driving force behind developing the Air Jordan. It's got uh, Jason Bateman is in it. Viola Davis plays Michael Jordan's mom. She is brilliant in this. And from what I understand, this is... Now, obviously, they don't know the exact conversations for the most part that they were having. But outside of that, the process of what they went through, this is about as spot on as it gets. So much so that they went to Michael Jordan, Ben Affleck did, to get his approval on this thing. 
And Jordan requested four changes to make sure it was even more correct than what they had put together in the script. Dang. See, I hadn't heard that. What were the four changes? One of the changes was one of the characters that is included in this that that Marlon Wayans actually plays is the assistant basketball coach on the 84 Olympic team that originally wasn't in the movie. His name's George Raveling. And so they oh, put yeah, him yeah. in the they put him in the movie because Jordan said that he was the he was the guy that was the first person he even heard that this was an idea from that came to him first about it. He was a USC's coach for a long time. I'm trying to remember one of the other changes was they deleted a guy who Jordan was like, he had nothing to do with this. Doesn't need to be in the movie. <laughs> they gave uh, more of a role to oh, his last name was white. Chris Tucker plays him in the movie. They gave him like a much more expanded role because Jordan said he's become one of my best friends and was a driving force for me signing with Nike. And then he requested a more expanded role for his parents in the movie. The characters of right. his parents, obviously. Yeah, and, and yeah. So, no, that made sense because his, but his mom was really driving it. Yes, exactly. And, and you get that in the movie. I mean, his dad is basically just kind of along for the ride, and his mom's the gatekeeper. Yeah. Um, so no, that was a uh, very interesting, very interesting. Uh, no, I saw it. I actually saw it uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, I don't know why I didn't mention that, but no, it's a terrific movie, bro. It is. I'm telling you, man. It's man. It's interesting because there's no sex and there's no violence. No, and they still they, riveting. And you, I mean, you don't even see Michael Jordan. Yeah, how about that? They're like, who can play him? They never Nobody. show his face ever in the whole movie. I, I thought, you know, Ben Affleck directed this, and I'm gonna tell you, man, that this is a. It, it is phenomenal. Like I'm sitting here going, this should be nominated for best director, best screenplay. I think Viola Davis should get a Best Supporting Actress nomination on this. You know, you can make a case for Matt Damon. I thought Ben Affleck was phenomenal as Phil Knight. I mean, it's... And again, you know, I grew up in this era. I was obsessed with Michael Jordan. Like all kids right. my age probably were. Did you have a pair of Jordans? I don't know that I got a pair of Jordans until I got a little older. Did you try to get some? And mom and dad were like, yo. We probably so. Okay. Now, you got to realize like when the original Jordans came out, I think I was like seven. I keep forgetting I'm older than you. Yeah, so it wasn't like a thing for me until I got to be, you know, a few years later. And at some point, I did have a pair of Jordans, but I never had like the originals or something like that. I mean, it wouldn't have made sense really for a seven-year-old anyway. No. It was always interesting to me because I wasn't, I loved Michael Jordan, the basketball player. I was just never a big fan of Jordans, the shoes. Like, I and then the retro 11s came out or the 11s came out. And I was like, oh. Now, that's a shoe I could get down with. But, man, there are so many things about this movie that just work. It, it, it's, it's intense. You know, and, and I just was fascinated by how they went about this because, and, and this, I'm not ruining the movie or anything here. I mean, most people are fully aware of this. Phil Knight started Nike out of the trunk of his car, and it was a running shoe. Like, some of you may remember Prefontaine, Steve Prefontaine, who was a long-distance runner at Oregon, yeah. You know, and he was like their poster boy for a long time. And Nike was a running shoe. Like they dominated the running shoe market, but nobody considered them for sports. And it's funny because at the very beginning of the movie, they tell you in 1984, whatever it is, 86, whenever it is, you know, Michael Jordan or not Michael Jordan, Nike had 17% of the market share of sports shoes. And it was dominated by Converse and Adidas. Those were the dominant brands that nobody could touch. Right. So Nike comes along and 
you know, they go basically all in. It's it's Michael Jordan or a couple oh. of these guys are losing their jobs. That was a. Uh I don't want to talk too much about it. Although it's been out for a minute now. But I thought that was one of the things when you say Nike went all in, how Sonny Vaccaro was pushing just to say, let's not tiptoe. If we're going to do it, let's do it. Yeah. Because there was other players that they could have spent money on. And they were like, oh, we think he's the best one. Yeah. And he was. I mean, there's no debt. It's just you need to watch it. If you are a fan of Jordan, if you it, because it's it's a true story, they follow along as best they can. It has great characters who all, for the most part, really existed, and it it it's just really really well shot and really well done. I mean, I I completely fully one hundred percent enjoyed this thing. No, no, it's absolutely phenomenal, you, bro. And then I will tell you another movie to avoid, and it's in the top ten on Netflix right now. <laughs> What's that? Beef? It's no, it's 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 the Tom Hanks movie, A Man Called Otto, and it is about. about as negative a movie as you can possibly watch about a depressed old dude whose wife has passed, and in multiple opportunities he tries to off himself, and he ends up getting interrupted by his <laughs> annoying neighbors, and he is just so negative and curmudgeonly, you know, and it's supposed to be a heartwarming story of how this family helps this dude to realize that he shouldn't off himself. But I mean, 80% of the movie is about as depressing as it possibly can become. Wow. Well, that ain't no good. No, I, I was like, this is, uh, it's just, why did they make this? I don't know. Well, here, I'll, I'll, uh, I will, uh, I'll take that and raise you, uh, go to Hulu. Even if you got to go get the, uh, seven day free subscription or whatever it is. And go watch the five-part series on uh, Tupac. Okay. Fantastic. Like, literally fantastic. I mean, it's a terrific doc. They got everybody. And what's the, um, what's the word I'm using for? Okay, like, if you're a Tupac fan, you know most of the basics of Tupac's story and all of this. But what they do is they provide more context and more details and you learn a lot about him, even if you think you know just about everything. And that's all you can ask a doc to do. Yeah. Because they, they took you places, which is what I talk about all the time as a journalist. Uh, depending on the project, my job is to take you places you can't possibly go. And that's where you learn things. And that's what you, that's what you end up getting out of the project. And so they took you places and showed you things and introduced you to people who either you didn't know existed or had no idea the role that these these people played in his life. So it's a terrific doc, five-part series, uh, very bingeable, very watchable. Uh, just wrapped up last week. All right. Sounds good to me. I think I still have Hulu, and I don't know yeah. why. Was it The Handmaid's Tale? Yeah, it was The Handmaid's Tale, but that went off a while ago. Oh, I know why, because it's a part of that Disney Plus package, because you get Disney Plus, ESPN, and Hulu all together. Right. And so I use ESPN Plus pretty much every day, so for something to read right, stories right. or whatever. So yeah, that's why I have that. I forgot. Yeah, another one that we watched on Netflix is the Jennifer Lopez movie called The Mother, where she plays like a highly trained assassin. It's essentially the Liam Neeson taken, just not done as well. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it's the exact same. I mean, she's the mother. What do you think happens with a highly trained assassin, assassin known as the mother? Oh, they take her kid and she has to get her back. Do you think she'll be successful? 
Now, I don't care. You could make, you could take the storyline for Taken and make it 500 times. If you kill a lot of people in creative ways and the assassin stuff in it is awesome, I'm in. <laughs> and there is some really good stuff in this movie for like the first half of it. And then it just drops off a table and it just gets kind of lame. Mm. And the end is you're just kind of like, really? Like, okay. Really? See, I like the, I, I could still watch Taken. I watch Taken every time I run into it. Taken's fantastic. Because it's like nonstop action constantly all the time. And that's Good the thing luck. with these movies. Yeah, like you, you, can't, <laughs> you can't have the slow drop off. You got to be building and building and building. You know, there's one point she moves to the middle of nowhere in Alaska. And you're like, what are we showing this? Who cares? <laughs> Shoot people. Blow something up. Get in a fight where you somehow kill four people. Be John Wick. Exactly. Like, just go, man. Do stuff. It's like I was talking to somebody because the new Fast and Furious, I think it's called Fast X, comes out this week. And somebody's like, yeah, those movies are just too much. I'm like, are you kidding me? They have become some of the best action movies that exist. Like, I don't care how lame the plot is. Those movies nonstop are like, what kind of crazy-ass stunts can we continually do throughout the course of the movie that have never been done before? And I'm in for that, man. You know, that's why the Fast and the Furious has uh, has lasted as long as it has. Yeah, because like and you'll read these reviews of stuff like this and the review is always action sequences fantastic. They really up the bar, but the plot is horrible and the dialogue is a little stiff. So you went to an action movie hoping to see an Oscar award-winning screenplay, which I've never understood. <laughs> like I look at action movies completely different than I look at like an Oscar-worthy type film. Dude, I, you know, I've told you that for the longest. Like, can I just be entertained? That's really all I get down with. I just want to be entertained. And I don't care about the cinematography and this or that. The bottom line to me was, was I entertained at the end? And if the answer is yes, then I'm all for it. Exactly. I, I, that's, yes, that's what I want. If you're, if you're described as an action movie, keyword action, just give me action. You don't even have to speak sometimes. <laughs> like in, like seriously in, in some action movies the fight scenes and the in the the gun scenes are good enough you could go 30 minutes just doing that and not even say a word and i'm cool exactly i mean that's just reality man so we will move forth here as we continue and tell you about a couple more of our sponsors making this thing work dude and you know freeway tire shop it doesn't get any better I hope you guys are using Freeway Tire Shop. Use them for your oil changes, your tire rotations, but also use them to get new tires. Use them for your mechanic work because you can trust them and he gives you a fair price. Dude, JR rocks, man. Freeway Tire rocks. And it's because there's a trust factor there. I mean, we laugh and talk about it all the time, but you know, if you don't trust your mechanic, you just, you just wary the whole time. You can't relax like, what's the bill going to be, this or that. The thing about Freeway Tire and JR is, you can trust them to one, how about this, diagnose what the hell's wrong with my car. Then you can trust them to use quality parts to fix your car. And we know not everybody does that. The other thing is you can trust him to give you a fair price. We know damn well everybody mechanic doesn't do that. And then finally, you can trust him to stand behind his work. So I'm telling y'all, if your mechanic is not doing all four of those things, not two out of four, not three out of four, all four of those things, and what you need to do is head up 35 toward Denton. That's 35 North. Get off at uh, Commonwealth. It's only about five minutes from downtown. Go through the light. Look to the right. 
Freeway Tire is there. JR is working there, <laughs> running things. And I'm telling y'all, it's the best move you can make for your car. You're going to love it. The experience will blow you away. It's Freeway Tire Shop online at freewaytireshop.com. And as we always tell you, while you're dropping your car off at Freeway Tire Shop, roll around the corner to Mockingbird, jump in an Uber, go grab yourself some lunch at Smokey John's Barbecue, home of the Jam Session Bowl, the only place on the planet that you will find that has created a menu item. Well, it's not really on the menu. This off-menu secret menu item, but has created a food item for everyone that listens to this podcast. All of our Jam fans, they created the Jam Session Bowl just for us at Smokey John's Barbecue. Dude, Smokey John's, the Jam Session Bowl has been an unquestioned hit. I got to tell you all that. And I, I also got to tell y'all, you know, I went through that binge where I had about four or five of them in a six, seven week period. I haven't had one now in about six weeks or seven weeks. And I'm waiting until July 1st. And then I'm going to gorge myself with one, Matt. Okay. But until then, <laughs> you guys help yourself. And here's what I'm talking about. It's a mac and cheese or mashed potato base. Then you get your choice of two out of five smoked meats. Uh, the brisket sausage combination is fantastic the brisket chicken combination is fantastic the sausage chicken combination is fantastic okay let's keep it real all the meat combinations are fantastic then once you pick your meats they put all that stuff you find on the baked potato you know chives sour cream butter bacon bits all of that stuff man and then you can either drizzle it or drench it with that sauce that matt loves to drink out the bottle and it is phenomenal it is to live for that's even better than to die for it's to live for so you ain't gotta take my word for it take your butt to smoky johns don't matter make a day of it come to dallas hang out downtown lots of stuff to see and do then swing through smoky johns had a jam session bowl send us a pic and tell us tell us just how right we were you're gonna love it you're absolutely going to love it the jam session bowl only available at Smokey John's Barbecue. So get over there and support those guys, man, because they've been great to us and we appreciate what they do as a part of this thing. Not to mention the fact you guys are going to love it. You're going to absolutely love it. Smokey John's Barbecue. So a couple of notes about the Dallas Cowboys, and I always find this interesting because we don't ever think about it. I mean, I really don't think anybody thinks about it until you get into the season and it happens and then all of a sudden everybody gets all pissed off about it. And that is none other than the kicking position with the Dallas Cowboys. And it's wild because I've noticed in the last couple of weeks, there's been some articles coming out about what are the Cowboys going to do at kicker and how is this going to work? And then part of it also, I think, was spawned by what Bones, John Fossil, their special teams coordinator, said the other day when he basically said anyone on earth, they would consider if there's somebody out there to bring in to be the Cowboys kicker because right now and granted we're what like 10 weeks away from training camp right now they only have one kicker on the roster and that's Tristan Vizcaino yeah and so it's interesting that they're open to adding another kicker they're open to even bringing back Brett Maher so I don't know where this thing is going to go man I mean we saw last year of course they brought in that Hajrulaha guy. They brought in Jonathan <laughs> Garibay, who was horrible, and they released right. him. And then Maher comes in, and then Maher was good until the very end when he missed a ridiculous amount of 
the point after attempts. He missed those four in the wild card game at Tampa. I, it's and again, like I said, like you never notice a kicker. You, we, we don't care. Nobody cares who it is. Doesn't matter until you get into the season. He misses a field goal. We're like, well, what the hell, man? You can't have this guy. It's I've never understood why people put so little attention on kickers. It's a huge part of your job. I mean, a huge part of your team. Um, and you just can't have just a guy. Like, I wouldn't bring Brett Maher back. Why wouldn't I bring him back, Matt? Answer the question. This is not a rhetorical question. Well, basically, for me, he doesn't get the ones that he's supposed to get consistently enough. Well, see, he did that last year. But here's why I wouldn't bring him back. I wouldn't bring him back for this one reason. And when I tell you, be like, oh, I, yeah, obviously. But really, because whatever he does during the regular season doesn't matter. What is the week of the first playoff game going to be like for him? Hey, Britt, uh, what are your thoughts heading into this week after you missed four extra points in the last time you had a playoff game? And the problem is you wouldn't trust him in the playoff game. And let's say he had a 48-yard field goal that went wide left by a foot in the first quarter. Well, you don't know if that's – he's a wrap now, you know. And so I just wouldn't bring him back because I don't want to deal with that. Because uh, we're about trying to win championships, and I can't trust you in the playoffs. I don't care what you do in the regular season, because you were great in the regular season last year. He was absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. in the regular season, and he fell apart in the playoffs. So I can't trust you, and what you do in the regular season doesn't matter. So Brett Maher wouldn't even, somebody else can do it, and guess what? It wouldn't be the same because he wouldn't have that same history with, a, with the same team. So it might be different. But I don't care what he did, I couldn't bring him back. Uh, I might go with somebody basic like Robbie Gould, man, because at least I expect you to make the kicks you're supposed to make. And, um, yes, you're not going to be the 50-yard weapon, but that's okay if you just make the extra points you're supposed to make and the field goals you're supposed to make within, you know, 50 yards. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, Robbie Gould is 40 years old, but with kickers it doesn't really matter. He hit in his last three seasons in San Francisco, he hit 83%. 87% and 85%. Mason Crosby is out there, the long, long time Green Bay Packers kicker. He's 38 years old. His last three years, he was 16 of 16 in the COVID year, then fell to 73% two years ago and hit over 86% last year. He was 25 of 29. I mean, again, th- those guys have been in pressure situations. They've hit big kicks. They've been consistent for a long ass time in the NFL. And I'm kind of the same with you. The Cowboys, for whatever reason, seem to go super cheap on the kicker position. And they always go with these dudes that none of us have, for the most part, ever heard of. You know, like Ryan Suckup is out there. I think Suckup is in his mid-30s, like 36, 37. Another one of those kickers the last three years in Tampa, 91%, 83%, 82%. I would, if nothing else, I would bring in one of these three guys into camp and have him compete against some dude named Tristan Vizcaino. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, I mean, I guess I get it. I was surprised that, uh, and maybe they would have done it later. I didn't ask the question. If they would have rolled the dice on uh, the Michigan kicker, who's supposed to be really good, uh, who somebody took in the fifth round, I think. Yeah, a couple of kickers went way earlier than you would have anticipated in the draft. You know, I wondered if uh, if they, you know, would have done that or, you know, I mean, I just don't know. But I do know this. You don't care about a kicker till you don't have a kicker. It's like a long snapper. You take it for granted until you don't have that guy. Then you're all up in arms about, oh, what are we going to do? 
Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, that, that's kind of what it is. Dang, dude, I was just looking at it. Apparently, three kickers were drafted in the draft this year. I knew two were. So, oh my gosh. So, San Francisco took Jake Moody, the Michigan kicker, in the third round. Okay, I don't know if I'd have pulled the trigger that fast. New England took Chad Ryland, the Maryland kicker, in the fourth round. And the Green Bay Packers took Anders Carlson, the kicker from Auburn, in the sixth round. But San Francisco took a kicker with the 99th pick in the draft. Dude, they're important. Apparently, the 99th no, pick in the draft. I mean, holy crap. I mean, I don't know if I took him that high, but check this. I really don't know if I took him that high. I probably would have took him in the, uh, maybe I would have took him in the fourth round, but not the fifth. Yeah, because the Patriots spent the 112th pick in the fourth round on, on a kicker. A kicker, yeah. Chad Riley. Well, then see, maybe that's why they took him. Maybe they had inside in- intelligence. It could be. And, and see, like, that's my, that's my thing because Fossil's quote here is anybody else on earth who is not on the team right now is under consideration. That's everybody, really. You got guys who are legitimate, but we don't want to bring in a camp leg to get through camp and save somebody. Anybody who comes in here has to compete with Tristan and be a legitimate possibility of starting in the NFL. That can be a lot of different guys that we're still looking at. XFL, USFL, veterans, younger guys. And I just sit there and go, okay, all right. I, I, maybe a veteran who's been in the NFL and has proven he can do this in the NFL would be a good place to start. That would be where I would start. And then maybe I would go to the minor leagues and see if the USFL has a guy that somehow impresses you. Well, if you're Tristan Viscayano, you can't feel that great about your spot, bro. Uh, not after that quote. <laughs> you're basically like, okay, so I'm not making the team. Uh, or no, you, you have you just don't have any room for our for margin for error. I mean, you gotta you gotta be about ninety five percent in practice and a hundred percent in the preseason. Pretty much. Look, and this is a guy. He's been around the league. I mean, he's he's twenty seven years old. He was in San Francisco where he, he kicked in one game. He was in the with the Chargers. He he had kicks in six games. He kicked in one game for Arizona. Two games for the Patriots, and then. Obviously, the Cowboys have picked him up. In his career, he has attempted 12 field goals. He is 11 of 12 on field goals, so 92%, but only, I mean, you know, only 12 field goal attempts. That's so strange to me. Like, what is it about this guy that nobody wants when he's only ever missed one field goal in his career? Like, what did you see in him? I mean, in Sanford, oh, you you know what it is? I bet it's his kick, his touchbacks. He ain't got none? He has... Let's see here. Out of 44 kickoffs, he has 18 touchbacks in his career. Well, that's it. That's 41%. That's it, yeah. Yeah, which means they're returning them. And, uh, you know, you know, that's a good thing about, I mean, we can't, that's why, that's a disappointing thing about Maher. Maher could have been that dude, man. His kickoffs were outstanding. His long-distance field goals were outstanding. He had made all the kicks he was supposed to make. And then he just got that mental thing, bro. And, you know, that's his history. You know, his history has always been a mental thing. That's why he started talking to sports psychologists and all this other stuff. And uh, every time he thinks he's got it corrected, he has a episode like he did last season. It's clear that it's not because the extra point thing was all in his head. Uh, I mean, it's no different than you golfers who all of a sudden you can't hit a fairway. Everything's left and right because you, your swing is fouled up and you can't figure out how to get it straightened up for a minute. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and it, it's, it became what it was. I mean, we're sitting there. I remember how comical it was watching that Tampa Bay playoff game where you're just, I mean, you know, you missed the fourth one and you start laughing. Like, how in the yeah, world do you ever see ridiculous. this in an NFL game? <laughs> exactly. Because you just don't ever, you, never in a million years would you anticipate seeing something of that nature in an NFL playoff game. Ever. Right. Right. So we'll see what the Cowboys decide to do. I mean, they've got time. There's names in the market. I mean, we just went through a couple of those. And again, I know it's one of those things. You kind of roll your eyes at the kicker until you realize, holy hell, we actually need this dude because it'd be nice if he could hit some field goals. Hell yeah. Man, I heard some dude, I'm trying to remember who it was in the USFL this past weekend, tied the professional football record. He was eight of eight on his field goals in a USFL game. Really? Eight of eight on field goals, which ties Rob Baranis, or however you pronounce that dude's name. Remember him with the Titans years ago? He was eight of eight in an NFL game. Yeah. Uh, Because I think Chris Boniel or Richie Cunningham had the record at one because he kicked seven field goals for the Cowboys in a game they won 21 to something. I want to say they beat Green Bay, but I could be wrong. And it was nothing but field goals, yeah. The fact that I remember the Cowboys once had a kicker kick seven in a game, y'all should be impressed by that. That is impressive. I'm impressed. <laughs> well done. All right, so before we wrap it up here in the last handful of minutes, you know, we were talking about the Rangers just briefly earlier, and it's an interesting stretch for the Rangers here because they are at home this week, and uh, they lost the first game against the Braves, and not only did they lose, they got thumped 12 to nothing. What's interesting about that is they call up this poor dude – from the minors, Corey Bradford, because they wanted to give their starters an extra day of rest for whatever reason. And they throw Bradford out there. Maybe it's Cody Bradford. I'm trying to remember. His last name is Bradford. I think it's Cody. That's right. It's Cody Bradford. I think I said Corey originally. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So they call Cody Bradford up. They just throw him out there to make this start, and he gets shelled, man. I mean, he goes five innings, gives up six earned, walks two only strikes out three the rangers actually had 10 hits they just they couldn't get anything going against the braves and you know this is an interesting series because the braves came in with the same record as the rangers both were 25 and 15 at the beginning of the series and it's an interesting test against a team that and i know that we're we're really early in the season but still this is one of the better teams in the national league a team that a lot of people think is a world series contender how will you look against them at home (laughs) <laughs> well, we're not going to judge him off that game uh, pitch by spot starter. No, um, no, not at all. You no. know, who was clearly like he's and, and, you know, he's been dominating AAA. Like he's leading the league in our ERA and some other stuff. He's been basically unhittable there. Uh, but he's a lefty, soft tossing lefty is how I would describe it. Yeah. And uh, he's all about location and command. And being from Alito, you got to know that yeah. he was having nerves which you would expect. So Yeah, because this was his major league debut, by the way. Yeah, and the Rangers did this because uh, they're trying to be preventative. They wanted to give all the stars an extra day of rest. So, hey, we'll sacrifice perhaps a game for, for and give this dude a look. And, uh, you know, it's I see what they're doing this year, and uh, I ain't mad at them, man. They're trying to – you can look at the things they're doing, and you can see that everything is kind of cautious. They're playing for the long term. Even DeGrom, like, I don't, like, they're probably telling DeGrom, dude, come back when you feel good. If it's six weeks, fine. If it's two months, fine. Come back when you're feeling good. 
because, and you just have to accept this for this year, we'll take six-inning DeGrom starts or 75-pitch DeGrom starts, whatever pitch count or innings limit they put on him, because he's been sensational when he's pitched. So you just take, just you understand, okay, here's what he's going to give us. And, uh, you know, five, uh, seven, eight out of ten starts, he'll be terrific. A couple times he'll get roughed up. But we'll live with that, and we'll play the long game with him. Yeah, and the reality of it is, like you said, they've got Dunning going, and Evaldi, the last two games of the series, they wanted to give them five days rest, which is why they called this dude up. He's probably going right back down to AAA because Corey Seager is about ready to go, and he could be activated. As we record this on Tuesday morning, Corey Seager could be activated today as we record this. If that happens it's very likely that Cody Bradford is going right back down to Round Rock. And, and again, you know, I think it was either Maddox or Chris Young, I can't remember who, who said that th- this is not going to be the last time the Rangers do that this season where they try to give their starters an extra day of rest. And Corey Brad- Cody Bradford is probably going to be the guy. Because like you said, seven starts at Round Rock this season, a .91 ERA for Bradford. Yeah. And so it's unfortunate because you, you hate to see – anybody making their debut because you call your parents you you got your wife your family like you said he grew up in Alito. he went to Baylor you know and, and your family and your friends are there and you get absolutely just destroyed and, and you give up six runs and in five innings and it's you hate to see that but it's a learning experience and he'll go back down and, and hopefully continue to have success and, and be better the next time that you have him oh uh, yeah I believe that bro and it's kind of nuts because his wife said I thought this was interesting. There's an article that I'm I'm assuming Evan wrote this. I don't know who else would have written it because he covers baseball for the morning news. But his wife said that they came in and they toured Globe Life Park. What? No, Globe Life Field on Sunday night. And his hair quote is he was just in awe. He said, it's like I'm living my childhood dream. It doesn't feel real. And and so then you're taking that out there in an actual real major league baseball game. And that, that has to be something I imagine the next time it'll probably be a little bit better for him. True that, true that, true that. So intense, but the Rangers, man, they're doing this thing They're We talked about this before. They're a lot of fun to watch. They're for real. I don't think they're going anywhere. They, they still got a three game lead as, as the Astros have started to come around a little bit in the last couple of weeks. But you know, hell, man, nine games over 500 right now. I'll take it. Hell yeah. And that, my friends, is the Jam Session podcast. We will be back. We will drop an episode for you on Friday morning, getting you ready for your mid-May weekend. Hope everybody closes out the week strong, and we will talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.